Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So can we do something just for fun here for a moment? I'm always interested in what folks kind of outside the bubble of Dog Nation are saying about UGA because there's just a little bit different vantage point on that. We are really, really obsessed with Georgia football. We who produce the show, me who hosts it, you all who consume it. That means we are zooming in very closely and very tightly on anything related to UGA, which just gives us a different viewpoint to see the program by. And in some cases, zooming in closely allows us to know things better and see things more clearly. But in some cases, and you know this, if you ever kind of used a pair of binoculars or anything else, that if you zoom in too tightly on certain things, sometimes that kind of alters your perspective. And at that point in time, you're looked in so closely and tightly, you actually can't even really tell what you're looking at. And, you know, that's kind of true sometimes. And so kind of going and finding out what somebody who's a little more pulled back, who is a little bit more kind of 10,000 foot view, what they see about Georgia football in some cases is kind of interesting because those of us who live in this bubble of dog nation, those of us who spend so much time around Georgia football, we have a tendency to probably uh, overemphasize certain things, underemphasize uh, other things. And people who are kind of looking at the entire landscape of college football that includes Georgia, but does is not uh, exclusively about UGA. Sometimes their perspective is just a, a little bit different, and and so with that in mind, there was an interesting thing at ESPN the other day where, and a lot of times websites will do this. ESPN's kind of done this for kind of a long time. Is simply just a way to fill content during the offseason. But around here, we've always said we love the offseason football conversation. We love the idea of, hey, just talking about all the things that could happen in an upcoming year. And there's something interesting to be a little bit contrary on some of this kind of stuff. College football would be boring if everybody thought the exact same thing about every single issue. So this time of year, as we head towards spring, this is the kind of time of year to uh, – you know, to, to, to let your mind wander a little bit and have some predictions about, you know, uh, you know, various things and to see what you can say that might be slightly different than somebody else. And so at ESPN.com the other day, there was this kind of roundtable discussion amongst writers where one guy writes a little bit, one guy writes a little bit, and they kind of go back and forth here. And Adam Rittenberg is one of those writers. And when the subject of the Heisman Trophy came up, he suggested the idea of Stetson Bennett as winning the Heisman Trophy. This is not the same thing as saying he's definitely going to do it. I'm betting my mortgage on Bennett winning the Heisman Trophy. And obviously, Bennett wasn't the only name mentioned in all of this. But just given the conversation that has existed among some Georgia fans around Bennett, the fact that Bennett is even being mentioned at all, especially by a guy like Adam Rittenberg, who's kind of like that national writer for ESPN, there is a degree to which this is kind of interesting to me. I think we have this quote. Connor, can we show the quote here of Adam Rittenberg? Yeah, so this is Rittenberg talking about uh, Stetson Bennett. He says, this might shock some folks. But what about George's Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman? He says he's the returning starter for the defending national champions. He ranked fourth nationally in pass efficiency and third in total QBR. And he's going to lead an extremely talented offense under the same coordinator, meaning Todd Munkin's coming back for this year. Uh, Adam Rittenberg says, I realize why Bennett is so easily written off. But should he be, he asks. Once again, that's Adam Rittenberg from ESPN. So when Rittenberg says that he understands why Bennett is so easily written off, it's important to know this, that the person that's writing off Stetson Bennett is not Georgia hater. It's not rival fan on message board. It's not 
snarky writer who has it in for UGA. When Stetson Bennett is written off for the Heisman Trophy, by and large, the only people who even care about that topic for the most part right now are UGA fans. And a huge portion of the people who might write Stetson Bennett off to win the Heisman Trophy are themselves UGA fans. And listen, I'm not mad at them and I'm not arguing with them. I kind of get that. I mean, there seems to be a long list of reasons why Stetson Bennett couldn't win the Heisman Trophy. But once again, just for fun, this is not me saying this is going to happen. This is not me making a prediction that I'm guaranteeing is coming true. In some respects, maybe this is me just being overly contrarian. In some respects, maybe this is just me being, you know, uh, a little bit too much of a devil's advocate here a couple of weeks before the start of spring practice. I'll, I'll, I'll grant you that I'm open to the possibility that all that's true, but, but just for fun. Can I lay out a few facts against what are some of the most common, not even criticisms of Stetson Bennett, these aren't necessarily criticisms, uh, but, but a response to the most commonly stated reasons why it's, in the view of some, impossible that Stetson Bennett could, could win the Heisman Trophy. And listen, after I lay all of these facts out, I'm not even suggesting anybody's mind's going to be changed because on issues like this, people have a tendency to become deeply entrenched and kind of go into their corner and they have a tendency to kind of stay there once they get there. But I don't know. This just seems like an exercise worth participating in for right now. Let's start with this. If you ask somebody, well, what's your issue with Stetson Bennett as a quarterback to those that do have an issue with Bennett? One of the things that does come up a good bit is his size. Bennett on the official Georgia roster is only listed at 5'11". And it would be said that a quarterback that short, that small, has no chance of, of winning the Heisman Trophy. He's just simply too small. Well, let's keep in mind of this, that Bennett at 5'11 is only listed as one inch shorter than the guy who did win the Heisman Trophy a year ago, Bryce Young. In fact, I think we have kind of a side by side comparison here that we can show you on the screen that while they are listed as kind of an inch apart overall, the actual truth is, and this is from a video that ESPN once shared, when you see them standing side by side there, there's very little difference in the size, at least in my eyes, of Stetson Bennett and Bryce Young. Now, Bennett's closer to the camera. It's almost like a forced perspective thing here. So he actually looks bigger than Bryce Young. But if you watch the full video, you kind of see side by side here. There's very little difference in the stature of, uh, of Bryce Young and, and, and Stetson Bennett that the idea that Bennett's too small on the basis of the guy who won the Heisman Trophy a year ago, that would seem to kind of argue against that. Now, listen, I know what you're going to say in response to all that. Oh, come on, B.A., you can't tell me Stetson Bennett's Bryce Young when you look at the numbers that Bryce Young put up. You can't tell me that's what Stetson Bennett is, which is fine. I, I understand why you would say that in response to all that. So let me give you a different guy here for a moment. Uh, and, and let's take this out of just guys who win the Heisman Trophy. Let's have the conversation for a moment about guys who are also a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Because ultimately, you know, we, yeah, maybe winning the Heisman Trophy is just simply a bridge too far. Maybe that's just simply not something that could happen. Could Bennett be a Heisman finalist? Well, some of you would say, well, he's still too small to do that. Look at Kenny Pickett. I mean, Kenny Pickett put up huge numbers for Pitt this past year, became a Heisman uh, finalist. And did you see what happened to Kenny Pickett at the uh, NFL scouting combine the other day? His hands measured eight and a half inches, which is, I'm told, smaller than the hand size of any quarterback currently in the NFL. Now, listen, I understand that a bigger hand makes you throw the ball better. I, I, I do kind of get that. But is the eight and a half hand size the kind of thing that would make me not want to draft Kenny Pickett? Frankly, I, I don't 
care about stuff like that. I'm not that interested in, in that part of that topic. But, you know, this notion that you can't be too small and be a Heisman finalist. Well, Kenny Pickett and his eight and a half inch hands certainly seemed to disprove that a year ago for the uh, Pitt Panthers. It's at least worth considering that that overcoming some size obstacles was not an issue for Bryce Young this past year, nor was it an issue for uh, Kenny Pickett, who did some big things there for Pitt along his way to becoming a Heisman finalist. And once again, to kind of keep this in the rail in the realm of Heisman finalists for a moment. The other thing that folks would say about Stetson Bennett that preclude him from being able to do that is, B.A., you're talking about a former walk-on here. You're talking about a guy that's not the former five-star the way that Bryce Young was. He was tabbed as a great quarterback from the moment you know he kind of stepped on a high school field. Stetson Bennett is a very different kind of quarterback. He's, he's a former walk-on, and that's really true. And it would be very hard for a, a former walk-on to step into this role of course baker mayfield did that but listen that comparison has been done too much i'm not even going to use the baker mayfield thing here right now when you talk about this as a possibility for stetson bennett instead let me give you something a little bit more contemporary here for a moment because you're certainly right that that being a five-star quarterback being a highly touted recruit has been a pretty good recipe for quarterbacks who become heisman finalists that's that, that's certainly true but that has not been the lone path that has been traveled to the guys that get there. Once again, these are all facts and you can do with what you want on this. Go back to 2020 for a moment. Mac Jones became a Heisman finalist. Now, he's also starting quarterback in the NFL now. But as a recruit, according to the 24-7 sports composite, he was ranked just 399th in the country coming out of high school. Kenny Pickett, who I mentioned a moment ago, who became a Heisman finalist this past year, was ranked just 738 as a prospect coming out of high school. And Kyle Trask, the former Florida quarterback who became a Heisman finalist in 2020, was ranked 2,123rd in the country as a high school prospect before moving in to the college ranks. So yes, that's a minute was himself a former walk-on, but the guys who have become Heisman finalists have not all been former five stars. It's at least worth considering there on that. Now, you hear me say that about the size, about the former walk-on thing, and you say, well, B.A., even if all that's true, even if Bennett's not too small, and even if a former walk-on, lowly-rated recruit could prove himself to be better than his recruiting profile suggests, here's the thing you'll come back and say. And this would seem to be the argument that trumps everything else. B.A., Georgia just doesn't throw the ball enough. Sets and Bennett can't become a Heisman finalist, or as Adam Rittenberg suggests, win the Heisman Trophy because he doesn't have enough stats. Georgia doesn't throw the ball enough for a guy like Bennett to get the kind of national attention that you're talking about in a conversation like this. And as I said before, like I'm not even trying to really argue with you on that because for the most part, I kind of agree with that too. And there's a reason why Bennett's so far off the radar right now. In fact, I looked at this on, like, say, Action Network, Vegas Insider this morning. I couldn't even find posted odds for Bennett for the upcoming year. Kendall Milton's got some. I, believe it or not, JT Daniel still has some. Uh, but I couldn't find any posted odds for Stetson Bennett. So this is clearly a guy who's like way off the radar right now in terms of being able to win the Heisman Trophy. However, let me give you a, a thought on this. Think about Joe Burrow for a minute. Joe Burrow, just as a starting quarterback in the NFL, number one overall pick, just led the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl. And prior to that orchestrated one of the greatest offenses of all time in college football maybe the greatest offense of all time when you go back to lsu in 2019 but did you know this and this is one of those things that so much has happened since then that's almost impossible to imagine an era in which this was ever true as good as burrows turned out to be do you know what his heisman odds would have been around this time prior to him winning the trophy in 2019 about 200 to 1 
200 to 1, and yet he turned out to be the architect of a truly great college offense and has gone on to be one of the sterling prospects at the quarterback position in the NFL. And you're going to come back to me on this and you're going to say, well, yeah, you're not telling me that you think Stetson Bennett can be Joe Burrow. And no, that's not what I'm telling you. Here instead is what I am telling you, is that college football is never, has never been as easy to predict as some of you sometimes seem to think that it is. The sport just has a way of surprising us. And if you're a Georgia fan, here's the thing that you know. Over the course of the years, if we're honest with each other, some of the surprises that have occurred have been surprises for the negative. I mean, you want to go back to 2020? Uh, uh, before the start of the 2020 season, do you know what Jamie Newman's odds were to win the Heisman Trophy? They're about 12 to 1. <laughs> and listen, I'm not picking on Newman here because who knows how things you know, have, have occurred with him that, that have kind of caused his football career to be where it is right now, where he's actually, I think, you know, trying to get a spot in the Canadian Football League. But we've had plenty of experiences over the course of our time as Georgia fans where guys that we hoped would be good or teams in an individual year that we hope might be good kind of turned out to not be quite as good as we hoped that they would be. As Georgia fans, we have kind of a lot of experience with that. Well, when it comes to those kinds of things, the ability to be surprised in football, that door can swing both ways. There are guys over the course of the years we've hyped up too much. They've turned out not to be quite as good as we hoped they would be. Well, if you can have that on the one side, you can also be surprised on the other side there as well. And, and frankly, Stetson Bennett has probably already surprised some of you with how well he played near the end of last season. And the possibility of even more surprises for the positive still being yet to come, that's at least a possibility. So hear what I'm saying and don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you that Stetson Bennett is going to win this year's Heisman Trophy or even be a Heisman finalist. In fact, I'm not even quite so sure that Stetson Bennett finishes the upcoming season as Georgia's starting quarterback. There's a chance that Carson Beck or Brock Vandegrift, given a chance, there's a chance they beat them out. What I am telling you is this, though, is that our ability to make predictions on some of these kinds of things is just limited. We're never going to be right much more than 50 percent of the time, and we're going to seemingly be wrong. <laughs> It sort of feels like far more often than that. So at least leave yourself open to the possibility that maybe Stetson Bennett has a few more surprises in store for all of us here for this upcoming season. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and glad to have you with us. I'm going to you get to us today, live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, after that, Radio Noon, of course, each and every day in the Classic City on Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref, and a podcast wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Happy to have all of you with us today. And a big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making it all possible. A lot of rain in our forecast right now. Rained a bunch yesterday. That's messing me up with my baseball team. I coach my son's team, and we really need some practice time right now. We're not getting it. But what rain actually causes is an even bigger problem for many of you than that. When it rains, you see things that you don't want to see. You see water creeping into your garage. You see those wet spots in your crawl space. You see flooding in your basement, which is, you don't need me to tell you this. That is not good. Uh, you see these kinds of things happening all the time. 
And that's why you know that you need some help. You need somebody smarter than me, maybe even smarter than you, to help figure all that out for you. Cracks in your wall, sign of a foundation problem. That's where my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia step in here. They are proud partners of UGA. It's always fun to do business with those that support the dogs. They're good friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. That's also a great thing there as well. I'm so grateful for those of you that have supported those that have supported us. That's always a really good thing. And this is my sincere advice to all of you if you've got those water issues that that are creeping into your house if you've got those cracks in your walls that sort of feel like might be a foundation issue it's one of those things when you when you look at it you kind of know something's not quite right don't try to like ignore this any longer because the honest truth is in some cases these types of things end up being a relatively simple fix but if it's more complicated if it's the kind of thing where some real structural work needs to be done all the more reason to have somebody really smart do the work for you. My friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia have two full-time engineers on staff. These are good people dedicating their life to knowing everything that needs to be known about foundation and waterproofing stuff, which really impacts the structural integrity of your home. Your home ultimately is your most important you know, investment for so many of us. And so Engineered Solutions of Georgia understands all of that. And they want to make it very easy for you to get in touch with them. Simply dial this number, 678 ESOG now. That's right. Dial 678 ESOG now. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of George. All right. We've got a lot to do on our program today coming off of what continues to be a, a, a very amazing aftermath of the NFL scouting combine for former UGA players really really kind of thriving there in that uh, role in Indianapolis the same spot where they won the national championship and so many of those former dogs showed out in such a big way and I kind of want to do something um you know yesterday we did a lot of defensive stuff so let's go around the doghouse here for a moment I kind of want to do kind of an offensive thing and listen I am going to really really try here for a moment kind of not to be a, a wet blanket because there is something really good that happened for a former UGA player. However, I think it asks a relatively impolite question about the future at UGA, which, you know, as I said before, I don't want to be a wet blanket about a good story, but it's at least one of those things that I can't help but consider when you um, when you kind of think about all of this. First of all, let's start with this. One of the guys that got some praise for his work at the NFL scouting combine was former Georgia running back Zamir White. In fact, LaDainian Tomlinson, who, let's face it, knows a thing or two about playing the running back position on the NFL network, really kind of highlighted White as one of the guys that he thought probably helped himself in Indianapolis, maybe more so than anybody else. So here around the doghouse from the NFL network, LaDainian Tomlinson praising Zamir White. Take a listen to this. Um, so which running back boosted his stock tonight, LT? I'm looking at a guy not many people paid attention to, mm-hmm. Zamir White, oh. running back out of Georgia. And when you look at Zamir White, he's a big guy, big physical runner, but he ran low full force today. And the other thing about him, he caught the ball well today. I mean, a full four zero for a guy that size, 214, right at six feet. This is a guy that can develop into possibly a three down back, but certainly when he comes in and to the National Football League, he's going to be able to provide, you know, depth for a team right away. And the other thing about about him is he's a great protector of the quarterback. That's, That's one thing. It's very important. He, he's going to be able to do day one. So I think Zamir White is someone they're going to go back and look at his game field yep. and see that, hey, we might have this guy ranked a little bit Wait a minute. Too, too low. 
Boy, I love to hear that about Zamir White. Great praise there from LaDainian Tomlinson, former great running back. It's always cool when a guy from one position really has that keen eye for the for the position that he played and seeing some real signs of greatness in Zamir White it just sounds really good. In fact, kind of back up what Tomlinson was saying there. I saw this stat, this tweet from NFL Next Gen Stats. I think we may have this we can show when it comes to Zamir White and just how impressive that he was running the 40-yard time that he did at the size that he is. Now, listen, I'm not great with the kind of math stuff on this kind of thing but basically you take the the size you compare it with some of the speed numbers you kind of put it together and a lot of the georgia guys did really well on that this is next gen stats i'm going to read this to you it says five georgia football prospects earned an athleticism score of 85 or higher this weekend scouting combine the most by any school to single combine since 2003 that's actually really cool jordan davis was a 98 no surprise there zamir white was a 94 and channing tendall came in at a 90 so uh that's really good uh, trayvon walker at 87 trayvon walker at 86 now you may say well Trayvon Walker is the best athlete of that bunch pound for pound what's all that about in some respects this is as you said before you know the the combination of how big you are with how fast you ran and Jordan Davis obviously you know kind of (laughs) changed the game on that on the defensive side of the ball but Zamir White for the weight that he came in at running as fast as he did kind of the own version of that there on the offensive side of the ball there too and that is really really cool but it does lead me to ask this question and we'll do this concurrently. On the one hand, you celebrate Zamir White. You wish him well in the NFL. You can't wait to see where he lands and how well he does. But on the other hand, it does kind of bring to mind something we talked about a lot during our vacation shows a couple of weeks ago and a lot in the aftermath of Matt Luke stepping down as offensive line coach. Well, if, if Zamir White is, is bringing this kind of profile to the table, this big running that fast, and, and, and James Cook, you know, kind of right there alongside with him, for the most part, testing the way that you would expect him to do then you know kind of what's going on with the georgia running game right now because while the georgia running game is pretty good and obviously good enough to help you win a national championship here this year it is kind of not what it once was like if you look at the last three years for george in terms of rushing yards per game in the sec they've ranked sixth fifth and sixth after being first in 2017 and 2018 now, in some respects, like this year, for instance, Georgia's actually throwing the ball more than it used to. And so that's going to hurt your rushing yards there a little bit. Uh, and, you know, obviously in, in 2019, you still had Zamir White here. But there's been kind of a thought of, well, with some of the rushing yards, I should say you still had DeAndre Swift here. But there's been kind of a thought in like the 2020-2021 season that part of the reason why the Georgia rushing attack has taken a step back is because the talent level is not what it once was. They used to have Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. You had, you know, DeAndre Swift. When you had those great running backs, you're running the ball, you know, very, very very well but the last couple of years you haven't had that caliber of running back and therefore the stats have gone down but the nfl scouting combine would suggest no zamir white from a talent standpoint zamir white from an athleticism standpoint uh was bringing plenty to the table now he's also healthier now than he was and so that's kind of a caveat to all of this but i think it does speak to a little bit of a there has been money left on the table by georgia offensively with its rushing attack for as good and listen the georgia offense last season we've kind of chronicled these stats a lot the georgia offense last season was pretty remarkable you know average nearly 40 points per game getting it done offensively but when you look at the actual results i think there was an opportunity to be even better had this georgia rushing attack mirrored a little bit more to to what it did in 2017 what it did in uh 2018 and clearly zamir white on the basis of the performance in the nfl scouting combine that would lead you to believe that talent kind of wasn't the issue but the stats kind of weren't you know they they weren't what they once were And so that's, to me, once again, one of the things I am looking at this spring practice, maybe as much as anything else. 
how does this offensive line develop? The five guys that we would say are the most talented, do they also prove to be the five best? And in some form or fashion, can you get those guys out there as your starting offensive line this year? Can you go back to being a, a great offensive line again? I think that Georgia's only been good in that category probably the uh, last couple of years. And can you open the door for, with Kenny McIntosh, who's gotten a lot of praise, with uh, Kendall Milton, who I've continues to be a very big fan favorite Deshaun Edwards uh Deshaun Edwards ready for his moment in the spotlight and the arrival of Branson Robinson and others can you go back to being a great rushing attack again and if you are as I said during one of my vacation shows that is one way that Georgia in 2022 can be even better than it was in its national championship season for 2021 so the Zamir White numbers and the Zamir White praise certainly a very good thing but it reminds you of what still can be achieved by the Georgia rushing attack on the field, it's at least uh, worth considering that. That is around the doghouse. Before we are done today, I'm going to talk about a big story here in the state of Georgia that doesn't exactly involve Georgia football, but certainly has a lot of Georgia football fans curious. Also, a potential big change coming to the world of college football that's not on the field, but if it does take place, it certainly will uh, be noticed by so many of us. So we'll do all of that before we're done the program today. But for now, more on the aftermath of Georgia having such an impressive showing at the NFL Scouting Combine, UGA players climbing up draft boards, Georgia getting plenty of praise because of that. Let's do all that with a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley right now. and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. Let me bring in Connor Riley here. A lot to talk about with him on the basis of everything that's happened here over the course of the last few days. Connor's also a big fan of scouting combine and pre-draft stuff, and he, you know, he frankly follows that a lot more closely than I ever hope to or, or, or pretend to. And Connor, I want to do a lot of this with you, but let me let you join in the conversation that I was just having. When I hear Zamir White get the praise that he got, it sounds great to my ears. When I see some of the statistical relevance that's that's used to describe just how well he performed, I I love all of that too. And maybe the answer to all this is just simply, well, Zamir was never quite as healthy for most of his Georgia career as he was at the NFL scouting combine. That may very well be an accurate statement, but it does leave the door open for me to see the Georgia rushing attack kind of return to its great form that it had in 2017, 2018. When I think about my optimism for the upcoming season, that's where that optimism really exists is, hey, can you take, you know, guys who are talented like Zamir's shown himself to be and get more out of them while they're at Georgia and get that statistical profile for this position looking a little bit more like it would have 17 and 18 offensive lines opening the door the way those that unit would have that couple of years to me that's a real value add opportunity for Georgia on the field coming into this upcoming season yeah, I'm going to put this on more of the offensive line than the running backs because I've been, you know, a, a big Zamir White fan. I was really impressed with – and you look at what he did as an individual in the games against Clemson and the games against Alabama, probably the two most talented defenses, I would say, Georgia faced this year. And Georgia needed to close that game out, both both those games out. Zamir White was on the field making plays, turning third mediums into first downs there. And I think you look at this offensive line last year, yes, top ten in the country in sacks allowed in terms of – you know, giving up the fewest uh, good analytically based, you know, line yards, things of that nature. But I think it's pretty clear with looking at how this offensive line was developed and used last year, it was not necessarily a strength. We know for a fact 
that Stetson Bennett's mobility was a big reason why he was on the field and, and playing quarterback for this team. And I think that helps cover up some of the deficiencies with this line. And the reality is from a size perspective alone, you look at that 2018 offensive line you bring up, for example, I mean, across the board, they're just not as big and beefy as they were when last season compared to some of the past offensive lines there. So I think, Part of that all factors into why maybe the Georgia rushing attack wasn't what it was. And I think losing Tate Ratledge early last season really impacted that because I think he was going to be, say, Georgia's most physical offensive lineman, especially within the interior of that offensive line. And I think all that sort of connects together and makes it why the Georgia rushing offense and more particularly the Georgia offensive line, I think was just good last year, but it was very clearly not great, even though I think there was a very – I don't know, realistic path to them being great, where I think if you have Jamari Sawyer as your right guard all year, and obviously he missed time there as well, and you have Broderick Jones at left tackle, what we saw from that offensive line in the second half of the national championship game was a great offensive line. I'll be interested to see with Stacey Sarles taking over now, can we see a great offensive line for Georgia this coming season? Very candidly, I've got a 10-year-old son of coaches baseball team. I've got a six-year-old daughter. We had daddy-daughter dance on Saturday night. I am not living and dying with every rep in the NFL scouting combine. I'm not disrespecting those who want to do that. I just don't have time to do that. So I'm like a lot of Georgia fans in that spending some time on my phone when I could over the weekend, and I'm just blown away by what's being said about a lot of the UGA guys and seeing some of the performances and seeing some of the measurables. And it's one of those things where I'm getting it in bits and pieces coming through social media. I'm just kind of blown away by it. the praise that Daniel Jeremiah shared, which we uh, audio we had for you on the show yesterday. Connor, I'm assuming that you spent a lot more time actually watching the television coverage of this than I did. And I'm assuming that you do that on a year by year basis a lot more than I do there as well. How common is it for one school to get as much praise as Georgia got over the weekend? Because obviously we've seen Alabama in the 2021 draft, LSU in the 2020 draft, Clemson 2019 draft. We see schools rack up a bunch of draft picks. But to get that much, you know, Rich Eisen, Daniel Jeremiah type talk out of the combine, how common is that? Because admittedly, that's not an event that I live and die with each and every year. Yeah, so one, uh, in true millennial fashion here, uh, I don't have a cable subscription to the NFL Network, so I'm following it online the entire time. But I was following online pretty heavily. I did have notifications turned on for every guy who ran the 40. So I, I think in the standpoint of, you know, we've seen Alabama have a plenty of guys drafted, and I think even Daniel Jeremiah brought that up, or maybe it was Kyle Brandt on the NFL Network. But to see this collection of talent dominate so specifically over the course of these days, athletically speaking, because we've seen Alabama players, you know, come through and, and test very well or, or be high draft picks, but we've never seen them so athletically dominate in, in a way that, you know, just made it seem like, oh, well, this really explains why this team went a national. You know, Mac Jones was going to dominate athletically last year. Uh, Devontae Smith wasn't. Jalen Waddle obviously wasn't running last year because of his injury, but, you know, those positions didn't really dominate. You have a 340-pound man running a 4.7840, faster than Patrick Mahomes and Jordan Davis. So you have Trayvon Rocker running a 4.5140 and really elevating himself in the draft conversation where, you know, you're going to see teams in mock drafts mention him as a top five pick now over, say, Kayvon Thibodeau, who might have a superior, you know, production in his time in Oregon, but Walker has the traits and upside that I think even surpass that of Thibodeau. I think you look at, say, a guy like Lewis Seen, who it seems like, from my understanding and perspective of it, the biggest knock against Lewis Seen right now is just that he's not Kyle Hamilton. And I think in most years, Seen's probably the first safety off the board. And, you know, with the way passing offenses 
have changed in the NFL, it wouldn't be a surprise to see him maybe sneak into the back half there of the first round, given all that he did and all he can do as a run stopper there as well for teams. So to answer your question, we'll see teams have big combine hauls, but for over the course of you know, four consecutive days. George Pickens running a four in the four fours, which I think surprised a lot of people. James Cook and Zamir White both testing very well athletically. Zamir probably testing as well as any running back did at the combine. And then the defensive line and linebacker numbers on Saturday. And then Lewis Seen really bringing things home on Sunday. And I'll point out the Kobe Dean and Darian Kendrick didn't test athletically or did not go through the combine drills there as well. So there was potentially even more meat on the bone when it comes to what Georgia could have done potentially in terms of wowing and impressing at the NFL combine. I want to ask you a question I asked John Stinchcomb yesterday, and the reason why I'm repeating the question is because I think this is an important topic, not just for our understanding of Georgia football, but our understanding of just football in general. So when a guy like Jordan Davis does what he does at that size, running as well as he did, obviously validating the, the, the season they had on the field there as well, one of three things has to be more true than the other. Now, combination of these three things can be true, but one of these three things seemingly has to be more true than the other. Either the recruiting industry just got it wrong. And listen, I'm a fan of the recruiting industry. I read all these updated rankings and I know people who do that kind of thing. And it's not an easy job. Rating an individual player is always going to be prone for error. So there's no apology needed if the industry just got this one wrong, that Jordan Davis just was a better player than their three-star ranking suggested he was. That kind of thing is just going to happen from time to time. So maybe that's just true. Maybe the industry just swung and missed when it came to Jordan Davis. Or maybe Georgia turned him into this player. And this is just credit to the Georgia coaching staff for like unearthing the gold that existed within Jordan Davis. Or maybe Jordan Davis just said, hey, I want to be a great football player. I don't care what I used to be. This is what I am now. Of those three things, what do you think is more true than the other? Because honestly, this is the kind of thing that football coaches do want to replicate. You know, seeing a player achieve more than people thought was possible for him, both athletically and and you know, just as a player. So how do you explain the story of Jordan Davis? Will I be labeled as a homer if I say it's number two? No, I mean, it's a, it's a reasonable answer. Right. Well, so obviously one and three, I think do factor in this. I would lean more three than one because I mean, from the way Kirby smart has told it, they always put a, a emphasis and a premium on Jordan Davis and liking what he could potentially be as a run stopper and as a defensive lineman for this program. I think you saw that with how early he played as a freshman. I mean, we, we don't need to rehash what you said to Mike Griffith during the Vanderbilt game in 2018, but you, it was very clear early on Jordan Davis was going to be a player. And I think, you know, the combine actually worked in his favor because it allows him to really focus on getting in shape and being the best possible shape and getting down to 340 pounds. I do think that's going to be something to monitor with Jordan as he goes along his NFL career is how easy he is able to sort of get in shape and shape and stay in shape because we asked him last week, what was his best game in, uh, in his time at Georgia? He said the Clemson game let uh, start last season. And I don't think he's wrong there, but let's also look at the factors that go into that. You know, he had a whole month of sort of pre preseason camp to where he's able to condition and tone his body to be at peak performance there. I also think there's a big difference from his performance in the national title game against Alabama than at the end of the regular season against Alabama. And I think that big month off, really helped him continue to improve his conditioning there. But so much of that just falls on the conditioning staff at Georgia and them working with him because how many guys have we seen go the other way where they're ballooning and, and, and struggling to stay in that? Obviously, Jordan buys into that. But Georgia having a plan to get Jordan to play at his best when he has time to really focus on his conditioning and now that he's not going to have to worry about school 
and some of the other factors that come with being a student athlete, I think there is the possibility that he's able to play consistently at 340 pounds at the next level. And if he's able to do that, he's going to look like he did against Clemson and Alabama, where I know there's concerns about, is he a three down player? Can he impact the pass rusher? I think on a, uh, on a limited basis, we've seen the answer to that being yes. And if he's able to, again, keep his conditioning in check, which I think Georgia really did the best with what they could given the time constraints of college football. I think there's a real chance that Jordan Davis is going to validate being a first round pick. So if what you just said is true, and there's plenty of reasons to suggest that it might be, that is more valuable than any NIL deal that a current college football player has or a college football player from 2021 has. There is nothing more financially lucrative. If it truly is a plan that Georgia put together for Jordan Davis in terms of here's what you need to do from a nutrition standpoint. Here's what you need to do from a strength and conditioning standpoint. Here's what you need to do from just understanding the way you play the position standpoint. If this is like Ron Corson, Trey Scott and nutrition staff, um, uh, if that's the equation here, that's worth more than any NIL deal currently on the books anywhere. Do you agree? Well, I mean, we've talked about this off air, and I think we share similar feelings in NAL. And I think, personally speaking, I don't think it's going to have quite as big an impact in the years to come because at the end of the day, and Kirby Smart has said as much, Jordan Davis said as much when he was asked about it last week. You know, the end game is still to do what guys did on in Indianapolis this past week. It's still to dominate the combine. It's still to get to the league. And, you know, even I can, I can look at a guy like Trayvon Walker, who I think when he came into college was still 6'5", 270. He didn't undergo some rapid transformation in his time at Georgia. He always sort of had those same athletic gifts. But he developed quite a good bit as a football player in his time at Georgia, and they used him in a variety of ways, so much so that NFL teams can sort of see whatever they want to see in Trayvon Walker. And I think being a versatile football player, you can look at, say, James Cook on the offensive side of the ball. Jamari Sawyer there as well. I think when you have that sort of football level of development, it's going to make you more attractive to NFL teams. And at the end of the day, you know, most of these NIL deals are less than four figures. There are hundreds of dollars, so to speak. Trading in a few of those to long-term better yourself and develop yourself to where, hey, I'm going to be able to make the difference from, say, being a second-round pick where on an annual basis you're making around $750,000 or so to – oh, I'm a first-round draft pick, like I'm a Trayvon Walker, or Jordan Davis, or Devontae Wyatt. I'm making millions of dollars on an annual basis. That's a huge difference, and I think the type of people who recognize and understand those differences are the types of players that Georgia wants to go out and target. And obviously, and Kirby has said as much, you're going to pass on some talented players who lose the forest through the trees, but if you're trying to win championships, you need more guys like the former than necessary, the latter, that are trying to get that NIL deal, that are trying to get that quick money. I, I think that's right. And you mentioned Trayvon Walker, and I want to go to the other direction because as cool as like the Devontae Wyatt and certainly the Jordan Davis stories are, of guys who may be somewhat surprising in terms of the kind of draft attention they're getting based on how they arrive in the program, Trayvon Walker is not surprising at all. This is what he's supposed to be. And, and there's something to be said for as much as I talked off the top of the program about football being unpredictable. There is also something to be said for things working out exactly the way they're supposed to. I joked when Trayvon Walker arrived here that if I could have 3% of his future earnings, I would burn every dollar that I own. Uh, just in, in terms of that's how you know much it looked like 
that, that he was just kind of a sure thing. And it's working out exactly the way that it was supposed to work out. And I think it's important to have those too. It's, it's really cool when you, when you develop a prospect into a better football player than some folks thought he would be. But also it's really cool when you take a guy that's supposed to be a can't miss prospect and it actually works out exactly that way. I think that's also a really cool thing too. Right. And I think with Trayvon, again, you know, one of the knocks on him is, oh, he only had six sacks this past season. Well, I think anyone that watched this Georgia defense or, or knows or has an understanding of what Trayvon Walker was asked to do, you know, he's not rushing off the edge with no abandon like Aiden Hutchinson often was. And I do think Hutchinson is still going to be picked ahead of Trayvon Walker. But Walker was asked to do so many different things, and he did almost all of them well. He is able to pressure from the outside when asked to do so. He is able to move inside and be an interior pass rusher when Georgia wanted him to do so. Remember the Florida game where he drops back in coverage at 6'5", 270 pounds, and deflects a ball that falls right in the hands of Nolan Smith. He can do so many different things as a versatile football player, and I think a big reason why you're going to see him end up in the top 10 and possibly even in the top five is his best football is still ahead of him. You know, Georgia, and it's sort of similar to Leonard Floyd in that aspect, who even at the NFL took a while to, to sort of find a home, but once the Rams just said, hey, Leonard, you're just great at rushing the passer. And instead of asking you to do six, seven different things, we're going to ask you to do the thing you do best. He turned into a double-digit sack guy on an annual basis. And so, you know, again, NFL teams are going to want to see what Trayvon Walker can do because he can do so many things well. And Georgia asked him to do that, and that's how Georgia helped him prepare for the league. But once an NFL team really hones in on what Trayvon Walker does well, whether it be rushing the passer or being a versatile chess piece – He's going to be really, really good, and I think one of the better players in the NFL, and I think his time at Georgia prepared him, as you heard so many players say, perfectly for what the NFL is going to ask of him. To respond to something I said yesterday, to me, the tangible impact of these Georgia guys, a lot of them on defense, doing as well as they did the combine is, while you could hold your own in an argument that this was the greatest defense of all time in 2021, I believe that this weekend proves it won't be the best defense that Kirby Smart ever coaches. Eventually, there will be a better defense at Georgia than the one in 2021 because of all the attention these 2021 guys are currently getting that the next Trayvon Walker is going to want to come to Georgia. The next Jordan Davis is going to want to come to Georgia and on and on. It's going to go that eventually a defense will probably be put together at UGA that actually surpasses the quality of this defense. The attention that this defense has gotten, I believe makes that more likely to come true. What do you think about that? So in in, in discussing, you know, great defenses of the past and statistically where Georgia ranks, you know, a a defense that got brought up a lot this year was the 2011 Alabama defense. Guys, you know, uh, I believe uh, C.J. Mosley on that team, tons of, you know, D. Milner types out there. Personally speaking, from when I've been following college football, I thought the 2016 Alabama defense was sort of the high watermark when you had Jonathan Allen, Ryan Anderson, uh, Reuben Foster, on that defense there. And I think that does sort of prove your point there where, you know, statistically we'll, we'll see how the game of football continues to evolve and whether a team can match what Georgia did, but I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at this team right now going forward, you know, Jalen Carter is going to be back next year. Keely Ringo is going to be back next year. If I mean, Jalen Carter will be a top five pick or a top 10 pick. And the only reason he is not a top five or a top one pick is because he is a defensive tackle, but you're going to continuously have guys like that in that defense. And, if you get a year where enough of those guys stayed, which is what you had happen with Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, and you mix that in with the guys you continue to recruit on a year-in, year-out basis, 
yeah, you're going to have trend, sort of the generational type defense more often than not. Now, obviously, I think this defense is going to take a step back this year, but let's spin it ahead into, to say, 2023. And that's not bypass 2022 by all means, but let's say, you know, Jamal Dumas, Johnson, Smeal, Munden, Xavier, and Sori develop into the players we think they're going to develop into. Uh, let's say Kamari Lasseter and one of the young cornerbacks, Dalen Everett, Julian Humphrey, Jaheim Singletary, develop and make plays this year. Malachi Starks to Corey Thomas, David Daniel in the secondary there on the defensive line, in addition to, say, a Nazir Stackhouse or a Warren Brinson, who will be seniors theoretically in 2023. Got guys like Michael Williams, Bear Alexander, Christian Miller, who are going to be you know more seasoned players there, Marvin Jones Jr. as an edge rusher there. There's going to be waves and waves of talent. And so in terms of, to your larger point there that I agree with, it's going to just need the right combination of luck hitting and guys staying to really, I think, get to what we saw in the 2021 defense. But it wouldn't surprise me, and granted it probably would surprise me if we're both still sitting here talking in 2030 or 2031, so to speak. But in the 2020s, if we say, yeah, there's a legitimate argument for what was the best Georgia defense of the 2020 decade because there's just with the way Kirby is recruited and shown now that he can develop players on the defensive side – that you can have so many waves of talent that to where on an annual basis, Georgia is very clearly going to be one of the best and maybe on a biannual basis, one of the best we've seen in some time. Amazing level of talent. By the way, speaking of talent, Kroger cultivating that talent there as well. In fact, they're having talent Tuesdays right now, every Tuesday from 4 to 7 p.m. Open job interview opportunity for you. You can stop by, say hello, and you can apply for a great job for a company that does great, great work taking great care of their employees. Website to go to jobs.kroger.com. That's jobs.kroger.com. See all the jobs that are available and descriptions of those jobs so you can begin a very rewarding career working with our friends at Kroger. Uh, Talent Tuesday every Tuesday from 4 to 7 p.m. So uh, you brought up something I want to get to to close things out in a moment, which is, okay, what happens next? Because I got to tell you, there's a little bit of anxiety starting to creep in about (laughs) all the guys that Georgia's losing here. But before that, though, when you see the dominant performances at the Combine, does this take pressure off these players for pro day or does it put pressure on them to to replicate that same performance here in Athens coming up in a couple of a uh, couple of weeks? I think on an individual basis, it, it, it varies. I would say for Nicobe Dean and Darian Kendrick guys who didn't take place in on field drills it obviously ratchets up what they have to do on pro day in terms of athletically testing. You know, Jordan Davis, I'll be interested to see if he runs the 40 again, because I do think teams want to see that and that explosion, but say, a guy like a Trayvon Walker, a guy like a Devontae Wyatt, a guy like a Lewis scene where the testing numbers from the combine match what they've seen on tape and what we've seen from them on tape. I think there's a little bit less of an idea to, to want to see them. You know, they, they feel good about what they have there. George Pickens, we'll see what he does in terms of testing and running again. But, you know, a James Cook, a, a Zamir White, a Jamari Sawyer, a Justin Schaefer, guys who their tape matches what we saw at the NFL combine where, I mean, I can, I can take you behind the veil here a little bit. I had a pre-write ready to go that Jordan Davis was going to run a sub five forty, And even though, even if it was say like a four nine one or something along the lines of that in that ballpark, that's still a, a historic number for his size. The fact that he went four, seven, eight makes it all the more stunning there. But you know, the fact that he tested that well, that Devonte White and Trayvon Walker tested that well, shouldn't come as a surprise. And so because of that, you know, there's less pressure on them 
than say in a Kobe Dean or a Darian Kendrick or John Fitzpatrick who didn't get invited to see how they go and play at Georgia's Pro Day. So I'll finish with this because you did touch on it. Like this parade of superheroes, you know, like the Trayvon Walker stuff and the Jordan Davis stuff. Like on the one hand, I am so happy for it. But speaking as a Georgia fan here for a moment, boy, it gets me nervous about spring practice. And, you know, big spotlight on Zion Logue now. Big spotlight on Smile Mondin now. Big spotlight on Jamon Dumas Johnson. All guys who I'm actually pretty big believers in. And you start talking about, you know, uh, Malachi Starks maybe stepping in in some sort of safety role or something along those lines. Man, there are a lot of guys who have some gigantic shoes to fill. This, this is not new for college football. It's not even really new for Georgia. But, man, oh, man, the combine was a really stark reminder of, oh, boy, there are going to be a lot of new faces in some very new places here coming up this fall. Well, can I try and cheer you up a little bit here? By all, my, by all means. So one of the common knocks on a lot of these Georgia players has been, you know, where is the production? You know, Jordan Davis is only labeled as a two down player because he so often didn't play on third down for Georgia. Trayvon Walker only having six sacks, uh, the Devonte white, not having great sack numbers, you know, Channing Tindall, not starting a game at Georgia Quay Walker, not starting until his senior year. A lot of Georgia rotates so many guys that it does make it hard to, to really have these statistical, statistical dominance that a lot of people, a lot of casuals, want to look for in terms of what they see from teams. So Zion Logue, we know a good bit about because he's played and had to start games for Jordan Davis when he was injured. Uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson played a lot last year because of the blowouts and the way that Georgia's game sort of went there. So in that aspect, it helps Georgia in two circumstances. One, because they play so many guys, there's not necessarily the same newness that there normally would be when you see an exodus of this level of talent. And two, because there's so much rotation, you know, they're not overly reliant on one or two players with some notable exceptions here. You know, safety, I think, is a pretty decent sized concern because Lewis Seen just never came off the field. But he's one of the few guys that you can really say that about. So I understand their concern. You know, obviously, Georgia just doesn't have another Trayvon Walker. They don't have another Jordan Davis. They don't make multiples of those guys. Those are one of ones, so to speak. But in terms of being able to replace them production and limiting or preventing much of a drop off, because Georgia rotates so much and because so many guys play on this team, it's going to be a little bit easier than I think it would be for most to replicate what we saw. Now, obviously, like the biggest thing for me, obviously, in addition to replacing Lewis Seen, is just the experience at linebacker in particular, because, you know, the Kobe Dean played a ton of snaps, Quay Walker played a ton of snaps, and Channing Tindall played a ton of snaps. You've mentioned before, none of those guys got hurt last year. And so because of that, there's not that same level of experience there and how you get that seasoning, I think is going to be really important to watch. But because again, so many guys have played before, I'm not quite as so worried long-term, you know, the month of September might be a little step back from what we've seen in the past with Georgia defenses, but by the time October, November roll around, I'm not going to be concerned. And when Georgia is playing in the SEC championship game, which I expect them to, or in the, in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, I'm not concerned with what we're going to see out of this Georgia defense because once they get their sea legs under them, you're going to see a very physical, fast, attacking defense once again. It's really great to hear, Connor. Good stuff. Thanks for being here, Kroger. Fresh take from you here today. We'll look forward to reading a lot more from you at dognation.com in the uh, days to come and uh, chat with you back on the program again very soon as well. Thanks for your time. Yep, Yep, as always in this way. 
take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, really nice positive kind of note to kind of close that out on because it is not easy replacing this uh, amazing collection of talent. But there's obviously a lot of other guys who are waiting to show just how talented they are. And they're waiting in the wings. And so starting this spring, which spring practice will be here very, very soon, they are certainly going to get their chance to do that. And as Connor said, grow into a big role before it's all said and done before this season is done let's transition now get ready to go cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and speaking of royal caribbean you know a lot of you know we just got back from a royal caribbean cruise and my wife we were talking last night you know like i've been a big fan of royal caribbean cruises for a long time she has been as well but i would say that she probably went into our last cruise maybe not quite as big a fan as i was maybe just not quite so sure what to expect but man she's totally hooked she is unbelievably on board now for the next cruise in fact that's what she was actually talking to me about at dinner last night of when are we going again and when can we you know make plans to be back on a royal caribbean cruise ship once again and i told her what i tell all of you hey the next great chance to do this is with us in april on the independence of the sea sailing out of port canaveral and i think for us that's always the the, the port we want to sail out of because living in the Atlanta area it's a short drive it's easy to get there you kind of make your entire plans around that very convenient and for our particular cruise coming up in April leaving out the 25th uh, from Port Canaveral on Independence of the Seas going to Nassau on the Bahamas going to Perfect Day Coco Cay and really taking advantage of all the really fun things to do on board and that's one of the things I think that she and I both enjoyed about our last cruise was just all the really really great entertainment and dining that we took advantage of while on the ship there's a incredible ice skating show that we saw uh, on the ship that we were on we were on harmony of the seas there's like this big high diving show in the back of the ship there's an aqua theater it's kind of like an open air amphitheater in the back of the ship and it's an amazing like high diving show there's specialty restaurants chops grill and uh all, all kinds of there's johnny rockets there's all kinds of like cool stuff to take advantage of while you're on the ship one of the things that our ship didn't have but independence of the seas is going to have there as well which i'm actually really excited about trying for the first time is the playmaker sports bar so i mean you know these ships are obviously like you know cities they're they're, you know in fact the one that we were on harmony of the seas is actually divided into several neighborhoods it really is almost like a city and independence of the seas got so many cool things there as well so you've heard me talk about it go to dognation.com find the link or just go straight to our friends the cruise and vacation authority because if we're booking a cruise like this it's the cruise and vacation authority that's our resource that we're going to use check them out online tcava.com that's tcava.com you can also give them a call seven 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. All right, let's go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean right now. A couple of stories I want to hit here for a moment. First of all, let's start with former Alabama wide receiver Calvin Ridley in a little bit of hot water now at the Atlanta Falcons because of the fact that Ridley on social media yesterday, and you saw uh, the tweet swarm from him, has admitted to uh, gambling on football games while he was away from the team. Now, listen, there should be a lot of debate to be had about, you know, was this too harsh of a punishment for what Ridley has admitted doing? I'm going to save that for a, for a different show, different time. That's not really my interest right now. My interest on this, though, comes from the standpoint of the Atlanta Falcons. When Ridley was drafted by Atlanta, this was universally well-received. You know, Tuscaloosa is not too far from here. Ridley put a big career together with Alabama. This was a pretty big deal. And the thought was that that Ridley would be the heir apparent to another former Alabama wide receiver, Julio Jones, with the Falcons. A lot of you who are listening right now that like Georgia football don't necessarily care about the Falcons. Some people do. But let me bring this back to Georgia by saying this, that – 
it's obviously not worked out you know you know ridley before the gambling thing had a huge mess going on we're always sensitive to people who have the mental health issues but ultimately the falcons got a job they gotta they gotta run their organization and whatever ridley's personal problems are he's got to it, it's his job to deal with that atlanta's got to figure out who the best 53 men to have on its roster is and right now it certainly appears that calvin ridley is not going to be one of those and unfortunately you add the ridley story into the the regression of Matt Ryan's career, uh, this continued aftermath of 28 to 3, we all understand that. There is just not a very positive conversation happening around the Atlanta Falcons. And in fact, what's almost worse than that, if you live in the Atlanta area, state of Georgia, is there's almost no conversation happening at all. Georgia's the national champions, the Atlanta Braves, the World Series champions. The Hawks had a nice run in the playoffs a year ago. They're not doing so well this year, but they had a nice run in the playoffs a year ago. Trey Young has the makings of kind of a real bona fide superstar within the Atlanta community. And the Falcons are just not part of it whatsoever. This is an organization that needs a needs a desperate reboot, if not on the field, because that's never an easy thing to produce. How about just in the in the public relations world? At number eight overall, the Atlanta Falcons need to draft Trayvon Walker. Now, Connor Riley said a moment ago, there's a chance that Walker could push to be a top five pick. And if that's the case, you can't do anything about that. But at number eight overall, this would allow the Falcons to borrow some of the goodwill that Georgia football has earned. And it is such a hot topic. No matter how much smart people try to say, well, actually, the Falcons ignoring of uga players isn't as significant as some people think that it is no matter how many people try to chronicle the reasons why that's maybe not as profound as some people think georgia fans are just not buying it georgia fans who care about the falcons are on social media talking about this all the time virtually the only thing that a certain pocket of folks in georgia who like football care about is when will the falcons draft a georgia player a uga player in some years maybe it doesn't quite work out quite so perfectly in other years it does kind of work itself out this is one of those years where one of the falcons biggest needs and they got a lot of them one of the falcons biggest needs better pass rush just better defense performance all the way around a guy like trayvon walker falling to them in eight it's just too perfect not to pass up walker has all the makings of a great player the nfl combine showed you that the performance at uga backs that up there even more so and he gives atlanta what it needs maybe more so than anything else just a little bit of a pr reboot in its own market to get some attention away from the braves away from georgia football away from the hawks away from these sporting entities that just have a better brand locally right now the falcons need to be back in that conversation again i believe drafting trayvon walker would give them a chance to do it so obviously a lot of you say it ain't happening ba they are not drafting that georgia player and listen there is a part of me that kind of wonders if the folks in Flowery Branch aren't a little bit jealous of the fact they don't have the football landscape all to themselves. The fact that no matter how hard they try, there is a football team that wears the same colors that will always just be more popular with a lot of Georgians than they can ever hope to be. There is a part of me that wonders if that's true. And a great way to prove that's not true is by doing the right thing and drafting Trayvon Walker if he is there when the Falcons pick at number eight. Another story to get to. So Kirk Herbstreit is going to do the Thursday night games on uh, Amazon when those games start streaming here this upcoming fall. Is this final? Is this done? Is, is Herbstreit? No, this is not final yet, but I guess the, the thought is this is the direction this may go. And so what this is leading some people to ask the question of is, well, is Herbstreit going to be able to do an NFL game on Thursday, do the 
ABC Saturday night game or whatever time, because he didn't always work Saturday nights last year, but he did work every single Saturday doing a game. And it was often a different game than the one that ESPN College Game Day was at, because that becomes his third job in that kind of 72 hour period. Maybe an NFL game on Thursdays, ESPN College Game Day on Saturday morning and the game at some point in time on Saturday, usually Saturday night. And so what some TV uh, you know, reporters, you know, people who kind of cover the sports media beat, what they've been asking as of late is, well, is Kirk Herbstreit going to have to stop doing ESPN College Game Day on Saturday mornings on a regular basis? And to me, that'd be a big change. And listen, Herbstreit's one of those guys I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with. Pretty much everything I see from Kirk on TV, I like. I think his social media personality is not always the best. Uh, I've met him a few times personally. He always comes across as a really good guy in 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 person uh but herb street i believe would be a big loss off the espn college game day television show if he indeed ever left or if he took a reduced role on all of that that'd just be a big loss for us because honestly that's just one of the gold standards tv shows that's out there there's very few tv shows i look forward to watching more than espn's college game day even after all these years i still like it almost as much as i ever did my son now he loves it that's just kind of a cool thing that we share with each other and herb street's presence on that show is a pretty big deal but more so than that can i just say this for a moment to me this all seems to be a replica of a mistake that's been made before where there are a lot of executives that seem to view college football media types analysts those who do this on tv covering college football as a little bit of a proving ground almost like a farm league to get called up to the big leagues to get called up to the show and 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 do this for the nfl and for the most part when these things happen when you take the college football analyst and you move him move him to the nfl it actually ends up not working out quite so well like think about booker mcfarlane going to monday night football as an example for this and my prediction is this is that if Herb Street really does become the analyst on a Thursday night game on Amazon, kind of like some of these other things have been in the past, after a full season, my guess is it might not be well received. That it's one of those things where the, I guess, what, one or two games that Herb Street's done in the past, people seem to like that, but people always seem to like something that's new. But once you make it permanent, all of a sudden the pizzazz you get from being new kind of goes away. And now you've got the college guy doing the NFL game and people are going to be kind of wondering, is this what I want to do each and every week? But the mistake here is this, is that I think people seem to look at the guy who's having fun doing the games in the college world and say, oh, we need to bring that personality and put on the NFL. But what actually be better is what if we took NFL analysts and just coach them up to be a little bit more like the best college analysts. Because the thing that Herb Street has always kind of had going for him is he clearly loves the product. He clearly loves college football. I think he loves doing his job. And therefore, when you watch him on TV, it just looks like he's having fun. And the part of me when I watch the NFL games, I I guess I'm sort of left to wonder who here doing this job truly looks like they're having fun, which is not to be a blanket criticism of all NFL television coverage. But it's just a little self-serious sometimes, isn't it? I mean, like you guys have ever watched like the Good Morning Football on the NFL Network? Like that's a football thing to me in the NFL where it sort of feels like they're having fun. That's a version of NFL coverage that kind of feels a little bit like college football coverage. It, it kind of feels like the kind of conversation that could happen around college football. But very little of the other NFL conversation on TV feels that way to me at all. Certainly the stuff that ESPN does, you talk about self-serious, taking yourself too seriously. To me, there's way too much of that in the ESPN world. And then like, say, the the Fox and CBS pregame shows, listen, 
I remember when these pregame shows were a very big deal back in the 80s. But even I would say that these pregame shows, the one on CBS hosted by James Brown, the one on Fox hosted by Kirk Menefee, they just feel like they're a little bit too much of a callback to that like 1980s era. To me, the issue is not which college football analysts should be working the NFL, but how do we make NFL analysts feel a little bit more like the best college football analysts? That actually would be the 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 preferred outcome for me in keeping Kirk Herbstreit where he's supposed to be, which is on your college football screens each and every Saturday. We'll make that cruise around the SEC. And let me just do this real quickly as George gets ready to play in the SEC tournament. There are a couple of social media posts that have kind of gotten some attention. One piece of news, because the expectation here is, is the Tom Crean era is about to end. As we've said before, um, I think that Crean's probably a pretty good coach. I think that it's just worked out poorly for him there at UGA if he wants to coach again, if he gets another shot. I think there's a chance it could work out better for him somewhere else. But it seems like right now at Georgia, for one reason or another, this is just not quite working out. So there's a lot of energy right now on the part of Georgia fans about kind of moving on and doing something different. It is worth pointing out that one of the names that's been mentioned as a possibility f- as replacing Tom Crean, it would appear that that's about to be taken off the table here. Steve Forbes, coach at Wake Forest. This is Pete Thamel now working to ESPN saying that according to sources, Wake Forest agreed to a long-term contract extension with Steve Forbes uh, that he reports along with Jeff Borzello there as well. Forbes is Wake Forest on the cusp of the school's first NCAA tournament since 2017 and he won ACC coach of the year so this is one of those like big name established coaches that might have been available uh for UGA but it sounds like in the event that Georgia is looking for a new coach Steve Forbes kind of won't be that guy and all of this I, I as I've told you before kind of comes also in the conversation of and then there's a lot of energy right now for Georgia fans to see the basketball program get better. They wanted to get better under Tom Crean. If that's not going to work, they kind of wanted to get better under somebody that that George has just been sitting out men's basketball for too long that georgia as a factor in this sport it just the drafts now too long and they're just ready for something uh to change on all of this along the lines i also saw this other tweet that got some attention ron hunter you know him former georgia state coach who led the panthers to the ncaa tournament his son rj became a first round pick while they are in atlanta uh, ron hunter's now coach at tulane but obviously uh georgia southern not georgia southern boy georgia state fans be mad about that uh georgia state won the uh sun belt again and ron hunter on Twitter says congrats to GSU and uh, Rob Lanier on continuing to be and this is the line that gets a lot of attention the best team in the state of Georgia and making the NCAA tournament really happy for the guys here's the problem there's no arguing that whatsoever not for Georgia not for Georgia Tech like there is literally no argument about that at all is that Georgia State's not just a good team this year they've actually become a pretty good program and Ron Hunter takes a lot of the credit for that and it's now continuing even with him no longer there But a lot of Georgia folks look at a tweet like that from Ron Hunter and say, that ain't supposed to be true. It might be true, but it's not supposed to be true. But uh, unfortunately, right now, it kind of is, which sort of speaks to not Steve Forbes, apparently, but somebody somewhere to kind of take the baton of Georgia basketball and take it to a level that it has not been in in quite some time. I get the sense there's a lot of energy about seeing that happen, and we'll see if that is indeed the case. Let me also remind you this. uh, Great things going on right now with our friends at Kroger, uh, not Kroger, our friends at Marlowe's Sometimes late in the show, it gets a little punchy around here. Uh, I'm talking about my friends at Marlowe's Tavern right now. Some really fun things going on with them that I want to make sure that you're aware of, including the Bayou and Bourbon event that's ongoing. I mentioned before Ron Hunter coaching there in Tulane, right there in the city of New Orleans. 
Well, listen, you don't have to be Ron Hunter right there in the Big Easy right now to get a taste of some great Louisiana food. You can get some of that right there at uh, Marlowe's Tavern there as well. In fact, for now, special spelling of that name, Marlowe's, taking on the Cajun-inspired L-E-A-U-X at the end of the name there. And that's all a sign of all the great things going on. Chef John Metz got some great special menu items available right now, whether it's the roasted chicken and shrimp gumbo, the honey bourbon bread pudding, also some weekly specials as well, like the uh, Nolan-style po'boy or the deconstructed jambalaya i also try you know the great cocktails because here's the one thing i can tell you anytime that marlowe's tavern's got a great special event going on they're going to be some really cool cocktails put together to accompany all that great food like the special new orleans style hurricane or all the other great things there as well uh really stop by and see this today at your local marlowe's tavern now the website still spelled the way it always was uh marlowe's tavern.com for a lot more on that bayou and bourbon event is ongoing and man oh man is it good so make sure you check that out today all right, a couple golden shoes here to say goodbye to you. And one of my favorite things is when um, somebody on Twitter shouts out somebody else for winning the golden shoe because I love the way in which y'all interact with each other on social media. Georgia fans just, just kind of made a great community among themselves. And, you know, listen, I'm not always as active as maybe I should be with some of this kind of stuff, but I always like to watch the way in which Georgia fans converse back and forth with each other. Example of that, one of our good friends, Bubby Dean, was golden shoe winner yesterday. And Fripp Dog. <laughs> takes a screenshot of Bubby's tweet and says, one of the latest golden shoe winners is one of our own, Bubby Dean. He says, uh, Dog Nation Daily recognized his eliteness today. Congrats, Bubby. And that's awesome. Fripp Dog, I appreciate you congratulating Bubby Dean. And for that, we'll make you a golden shoe winner for today. Also, uh, frequent winner, Mad Dog, back in action again. A uh, very popular meme. Uh, Mad Dog has his own spin on that with I did that. Kirby Smart pointing to the national championships. I'm going to leave that at that, but make Mad Dog also a golden shoe winner for today. Florida has no such championship to celebrate. Haven't had one in a long time. About 4,807 days for the lousy stinking Gators. And then taking another L to these dogs once again back in Jacksonville later on in October. In fact, Gator Hater Countdown, we can tell you that coming up in just 235 days, Georgia back in Jacksonville will beat Florida again. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by our good friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Thanks so much for being here. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Of course, check out R.S. Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs, AC units. Now, I guess it's going to be cold here, certainly the rest of the week, not super warm today, but it has been warm for a while which kind of thinks you about get you thinking about air conditioning units all over again getting ready for that uh, warm weather get those ac units tuned up online rsandrews.com for more on that or if your water heater goes out in many cases rs andrews can replace it for you the same day let me give you a brief confession about something and then this may show up on the regular show at, at some point in time the next few days one of the things i'm getting a lot of tweets about comments about and i have not talked about this as much as i should is the situation involving Eric Gilbert that, hey, Gilbert just got academic player of the week again for Georgia. This is the second time in his football career he's done that. Uh, there are a lot of people who are sharing me these like little videos that are creeping out. And it's always tough to know exactly when a video is recorded. But, you know, we'll assume that the things that are being shared with us are exactly what they purport to be, which is Gilbert looking good going through workouts smile on his face seemingly enjoying himself and all of that obviously an echo of the images that came out of gilbert also at the national championship celebration you know back in january all of this and i say this is someone who's a very big fan of gilbert's always been really enamored with his 
talent. All of this seems really good news, and it seems like really exciting. One of the reasons, though, I've been hesitant to talk more about it on the show is, is I just don't still quite know what to make of all of this, and I don't want to overhype this particular situation. If Gilbert is back and he's playing, boy, that's a very big deal for UGA. And if he's playing this spring, that uh, there's already already a great deal of interest and intrigue around the Georgia spring practice. Um, I just think that kicks it up to a whole nother notch if you do get a chance to have the potential of seeing Gilbert on G-Day. My gosh, how much fun does that get really, really fast? I think that's really fascinating. And by hesitating to talk about the story, it's not me suggesting that I don't think Gilbert is going to be participating in spring practice or he is going to be playing you know, in the spring game or even that I don't think he'll be playing this fall. Um, it's just that I just don't know. It, you know it's one of those things where I'd rather be – you know, a day late and bring it up as opposed to a day too soon and and kind of getting the card out in front of the horse. And, and part of that is, and some of y'all know this, that I've never quite kind of branded myself as like the inside information type guy. That's just not what I do. Uh, but when you do this job as long as I do, uh, you know, you do have conversations with people and you do you know, kind of run into people who either they know something or they know somebody who knows somebody who knows something or, you know, you know how, how, how all that kind of works. And you know, some of the stuff that I hear about this kind of situation privately behind, you know, closed doors would kind of leave the situation, at least in my mind, still somewhat clouded. But who's to say that's true? I mean, there's a chance that some of the people who've kind of pumped the brakes on this, maybe they're wrong. Maybe maybe this is actually developing pretty quickly into kind of a fun story here for this upcoming uh, upcoming spring and upcoming fall. But I'm definitely seeing some of the stuff that y'all are sharing with me, and I'm like the rest of you. Listen, I'm a big fan of Reed Gilbert, and maybe this is one of those things where maybe on Thursday show, this is how this will come up. Maybe on Thursday show, We'll just ask Terrence Edwards directly. Hey, what have you, you know, what have you heard about Arik Gilbert? What can you tell us about, you know, uh, Arik here? Um, and you know, some of the things. In some cases, Terrence is very open and willing to talk about. In some cases, maybe, you know, he lets uh, Arik and some of his other, you know, folks he's tutored live their own lives. And so we'll find out. We'll let's just let Terrence answer that question one way or another. But you know, it is certainly a, a topic that I am very interested in. And I guess I'm also trying to be a little bit. Um, I'm trying to temper my own enthusiasm about this until we get more substantial evidence here. But seeing Kirby Smart once again tweet out Arik as Academic Player of the Week was was certainly a very cool thing. So we'll follow it and see where it goes, and we'll make that our podcast cool down for today. Check out RS Andrews online for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs, and they will take good care of you. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price is promised in all of those areas. So find them online at rsandrews.com. We will see you again tomorrow.